Stoneman, start your engines. Uh, you're coming out about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the broadcast. Jim Paris here with you, ChristianMoney.com. Uh, wow, I have not been feeling well, so I decided I'm gonna do the show anyway and uh kind of rested today to be able to do that. And what's that all about? I want to tell you, and uh, I've been getting it from all sides the last two or three days. Uh, Really, I mean, those people that are against the vaccine are now upset with me. Those people that got the vaccine are upset with me. I pretty much made everyone on my Facebook page upset over my vaccination story, which is this. And I I mentioned this on the show. uh, What was it about a month ago that I did get the COVID-19 Moderna vaccination and so i got the first shot and i explained why which is i plan to do some international travel and also i play with a big band in daytona and most of our members a lot of them are older than 70 and i just thought it was the right thing to do it was something that they wanted us to do so that we could get back together to get uh, again as a big band and rehearse and i decided to do it and I was a little bit sick after the first shot uh, for a couple, two, three days. It wasn't really terrible, though. It was just sort of like minimal flu-type symptoms and all that. But then I kept hearing from everybody that it's when you get the second shot is when you really get sick. And so I was kind of thinking optimistically that, well, if I got sick on the first shot, Probably maybe I won't get sick on the second shot. That was my thought, which was totally wrong. And uh, I have been just deathly ill, I have to tell you. Um, and and here's the problem. So I tell people what happened to me, and some people are basically implying that I'm lying, that, that I'm making this up because I'm anti-vaccine, which makes no sense because I did get the vaccine. Uh, so I've got people upset with me on both sides. But here's what happened. I went in on Wednesday night and I got the second shot, the second Moderna shot, and everything was fine until about 24 hours later. And I noticed it looked like under the surface of my skin, no kidding, like the size of a golf ball. And you could, I was pressing down on it and it just like, it felt like something was in there. And so I was putting ice packs on it and everything. And it was just incredibly swollen in this one spot, and it was huge. It, it literally was the size of a golf ball. I ended up having chills several times, uh, so bad that my wife was putting multiple blankets on me. I was on the edge of throwing up. I didn't actually throw up, but I kind of had that that feeling, that dry heave feeling like that you get before you throw up. Um, I had blurred vision. Uh, my body ached. Uh, pretty much every bone in my body ached. And I'm still in pain right now. It's it's Sunday night, and I just took some more Advil, and I got the second shot on Wednesday night. Uh, 
So I'm just being honest with what happened. I have no agenda. I'm not saying don't get the vaccine because of what happened to me, because a lot of people are posting on my Facebook that they got the vaccine and they had no, no symptoms whatsoever. They're, they're totally fine. Uh, one person said, well, look, no one I know had anything like that. So I guess I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and see, here's the thing, too, is some people are kind of beating their chest in pride that they didn't have any reaction. They didn't have a fever. They didn't have any body aches. They didn't have any any reaction whatsoever. And they, they think that means they're in like super great health. Well, the truth is probably the opposite. Because if your body is not fighting off what it believes to be the COVID-19 infection, then maybe, they're, maybe you're not in as good of health as you think you are. I don't want to oversimplify things. I think the truth is just that every person has a different reaction to COVID. My only reason for sharing it was to suggest to people that maybe if you're coming up on your second shot, you might want to schedule that uh, in a way that you can actually continue with your life. You know, for example, um, a family member of mine uh, said, oh, now that I know that I'm going to go ahead and uh, get mine on a Friday night. So I've got Saturday and Sunday to recover so I don't miss any days of work. Things like that. That was my only purpose in sharing that it's not to tell you not to get the vaccine. It's also not to tell you that you should get the vaccine. That's up to you. I thought it was fascinating though, that, uh, Anthony Fauci, yes, the confused, uh, effervescent Dr. Anthony Fauci has admitted now that only half of the employees under his, uh, authority have gotten the vaccine. Now, that kind of stuff makes me nervous when I read these stories about like 40% of this hospital and 30% of that hospital, the workers don't want the vaccine. When I hear that underneath, you know, the people underneath Fauci, that half of those don't have the vaccine. I I don't know. Um, I have had all kinds of, you know, the normal vaccines throughout my whole life. I'm not an anti-vax person. I've always had the regular normal vaccines. Um, I haven't been a big uh, proponent of getting the flu shot. But in any case, I've never had anything like this happen. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not a medical person, but I just don't know of historically any other vaccines where it's like we're going to give you this vaccine and then you're going to go home and be sick for five or six days. Um, And I'm hearing from a lot of people, headaches and all kinds of uh, issues I don't know, maybe because it rolled out too fast, but you've got to wonder when, like in my own life, and this is just totally anecdotal, I know more people that have been sick from the vaccine than I know that were sick from the COVID-19 itself. And that's got to mean something. I mean, I know that's not a scientific study, but and it's just anecdotal, but it still it means something, right? I mean, and and we're hearing this from a lot of people. So I'm just curious. Uh, shoot me an email, Jim at ChristianMoney.com. Maybe I'm crazy. You know, maybe I it's just me and people I know that are getting sick from the the vaccine. You know, and some people are saying things like, "Hey, better you have better you're sick for five or six days than you get COVID nineteen and die." So this is what people now have brought it down to this, uh, you know, sort of, you know, binary scenario where either you die 
or you get the vaccine. Those are your only two options, which is really ridiculous to look at it like that. But that's the way some people are looking at it. Uh, in any case, uh, great show lined up for you tonight. Coming up in the guest segment is Sean Levy. And I believe this is his third visit to the show. We're going to be talking about the death of John Belushi and also some of the most fascinating stories of Hollywood's Chateau Marmont Hotel. This is going to be a great one. You don't want to miss it. Coming up in just 22 minutes. Now, if you haven't been following the news in the last couple of hours in particular, you may not be aware that uh, it's it's like all hell is breaking loose regarding Bill Gates' connection to Jeffrey Epstein. So if you remember in the early days of the whole Jeffrey Epstein scandal, when it came out that there was a connection between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein, it was very much minimized by Bill Gates himself. It, 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 it sounded like maybe he had, he had visited with him once, but then we found out there was a flight that he was on from New York to Palm Beach. He was not on any of the flights to the, uh, you know, to the island, uh, the pedophile island or any of that stuff that we know of. But now new news is breaking that not only did Bill Gates' wife, Melinda, uh, not like Jeff, uh, not like Epstein, uh, but Gates' wife, uh, there's a little bit more of a backstory here, which is it's now being reported just as we go to air that uh, Epstein was allegedly advising Bill Gates giving him financial advice on his uh, planned divorce from his wife. Uh, So it's getting to be uh, more convoluted here. And I I don't know where this all ends, but just like with a lot of these stories involving a famous person and Jeffrey Epstein, we're finding out that the original narrative of, oh yeah, who was that again? Uh, Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, I might have run into him in a Starbucks once that story then uh, begins to fall apart. And, and these famous people then have to admit that, Oh yeah, I was on, maybe I was on a flight with him. Well, maybe it was seven flights or nine or 19 or 99. I mean, who knows who keeps track? Uh, You know, I've never really been to his house. Oh, well, I was at his house. Well, maybe I was at it. Maybe I slept at his house for a few nights uh, but, but, but that, you know, I never saw him there or I saw him once I passed him once as I was leaving the house, these stories, they all start out very small and then they, the thread begins to unravel and that's, uh, appears to be happening. And it seems like it's happening a little bit later in the case of, uh, Bill Gates, but Bill Gates was apparently according to news reports today, getting, uh, divorce advice from Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, this is there's more to this story. And so here's where I'm, uh, you know, leading to on this, which is that next week we have confirmed now that Dylan Howard will be here with us. He is the author of Epstein Dead Men Tell No Tales. Dylan Howard will be making, I believe this is his fourth or fifth visit back to the show to give us the latest on the Jeffrey Epstein story. And in particular, Maybe even by next Sunday night, the lid is going to blow off this connection between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein, which it it seems like every little piece that we get of this puzzle, it becomes even that much more confusing. Because you got to think to yourself, 
What possible reason could Bill Gates, I mean, clearly one of the richest people in the entire world, more money than he could ever spend in a lifetime. He probably can't even give away all of his money in a lifetime. What would he want with Jeffrey Epstein? What would Bill Gates want with Epstein, especially after he becomes a convicted sexual predator, that is Jeffrey Epstein? Why would you, as Bill Gates, connect with Epstein? I mean, if you're Bill Gates, you could talk to, you know, the most expensive divorce lawyers in the United States. You could hire a whole team of divorce lawyers. You could bring in, I mean, anybody you want, but yet you're going to go to this Epstein guy uh, for divorce uh, advice. I believe this. I have no evidence, but I believe that there is still something major that is going to come out about Epstein and the source of his money. And I believe that all of these, so many wealthy people are going to be tied into a financial scandal side of this. Um, that is going to be even bigger than the sexual scandal side of it. it. It just, it's leading to that. It makes no other sense to me, including where did Epstein get all of his money? I have no evidence of that. So I'm just simply speculating. I find this very fascinating, this breaking news now uh, uh, every day. It's like a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more about what's going on between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein. It just, I don't know. There's there's just going to be more to it. I, I just have to believe that. Um, other things going on in the world and in the news, there is a massive all-out war going on inside of Israel. Uh, between the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, and the terrorist group Hamas. And this is really uh, one of the biggest military operations in many, many years. It now actually involves ground troops as well uh, going into the Gaza Strip area. Uh, it is uh, an epic battle, and it is escalating, and there doesn't look like there's any end to it. And this was all started uh, with some rocket attacks uh, that happened just a few days ago. So uh, we're going to have to still watch that very, very closely. Uh, maybe a good time to get our friend uh, Paul Bagley back on to talk about what does all this mean in terms of Bible prophecy and what's happening inside of Israel. This is not a new story. These battles have, have taken place uh, for years, for decades. Uh, however, this one appears to uh, be reaching uh, very much epic proportions, and uh, it's just very interesting uh, to, to see the developments there. Uh, so many people have, have died, and uh, you just wish there could be peace at some point, uh, but you can't blame Israel one bit for defending themselves. Uh, absolutely have the right uh, to do that. Um, now, last week, we were one of the only shows, in fact, it was a title of the show about the gas shortage that we told you last Sunday night was coming. And really, nobody else was talking about this. In fact, I got a couple of emails from people saying I was being a scaremonger. I was uh, being a fearmonger, causing people to uh, you know, go out and buy gas. And it was just going to be the, the people buying gas that would cause the shortage, not that there wouldn't be a real shortage. Well, there was a real shortage. There still is a shortage in many states right now. Many states tonight, people are driving around looking for gas stations that have gas. 
It is still going on, even though the colonial pipeline has reopened. Now, what is the most disturbing part of this story is, well, for me, number one, how could how could these ransomware hackers shut down 45 percent of the the gas to the east coast of the United States? I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, we're the United States of America. All of the technology and everything that we have here that we would be in that position, that that a group of hackers could shut down half of our gas supply for the East Coast. But if that's not disturbing enough of a question, you then ask the next question, which is um, now that they've been paid, yes, uh, the Colonial Pipeline people paid the ransomware hackers five million dollars. And I don't like that because that really sets a precedent. And apparently there are three more companies now that have been hacked and their systems are being held. And this is just continuing on. And you just have to wonder what is next. I posted that on Facebook this week. Well, what is next? And uh, somebody said, uh, probably our power grid. Can you imagine that? And I've heard people uh, talk about that. Our power grid could actually be taken down uh, by Internet hackers. And can you imagine they could ask for whatever they wanted to? I mean, if you shut off the power grid, even to just one major American city, I mean, if you're a hacker, you could ask for anything. I mean, if if they couldn't figure out how to turn it back on, it just seems like somebody's got to know how to protect these these networks. Or what about the idea that we don't. Why do we need to have Internet access to a pipeline? I mean, can't that just be controlled from within the facilities itself themselves directly? Um, you know, and this is the scary thing. We're, we're all doing it. We're all making our houses smart houses so we can turn up the air conditioning and the turn the lights on and off from our smartphone and even your refrigerator and your oven, everything's connected to the internet and that makes things convenient. But with everything connected to the internet, including water plants and the power grid and uh, these, these oil pipelines and gas pipelines, it's, it's just a field day for these, these hackers. And I don't know. I was just kind of shocked to hear they got paid. And then I wasn't surprised at all to see they went after three more uh, companies in, in the United States, and they'll probably get paid on those as well. And then, you know, who knows what is next? All right. Um, got to mention tonight's sponsor before we talk a little bit about what's going on with Bitcoin and Elon Musk. You don't want to miss that. So stay tuned. Uh, we do these shows commercial free because each week we have a sponsor that pays for the show. And tonight's sponsor is internetpaycheckforlife.com. And just to mention briefly, uh, if you're somebody that is looking for uh, an alternative way to fund your retirement, uh, maybe you haven't saved enough for retirement, maybe you've saved nothing for retirement, and you're looking for a way to develop a passive, a mostly passive income uh, in your retirement years, or maybe you're already retired, I, I set up a program to teach people exactly how to do just that. And I want you to check it out tonight. Tonight's sponsor, internetpaycheckforlife.com. When you go there, there are three free lessons 
There's also a chance to take a sneak peek at the course and get a one-hour video download, which is available for 17 bucks to get a one-hour uh, overview, which will teach you a lot as well. And you can check it all out tonight, keeping us commercial-free, internetpaycheckforlife.com. Okay, so let's talk about Elon Musk. Um, well, like a lot of these guys, he is a genius on the one hand, but he's also a loose cannon, a little bit crazy on the other hand. And I think genius and crazy kind of go hand in hand. So here's this brilliant guy uh, who's designing rockets that can go into space and then come back and, and land where they took off, uh, developing these electric cars, of course, Tesla, all of these, these Tesla battery systems, all of this brilliant technology. And so the guy goes in with both feet, he buys Bitcoin. And as a result, that's what really catapulted Bitcoin uh, up way above $50,000. It was, it was just really one of the biggest boosts for Bitcoin in recent months. So all of a sudden, he comes out a couple days ago, what, three days ago, four days ago, and says that he that Tesla is no longer going to accept payment for their their cars by Bitcoin because they think that uh, Bitcoin is not good for the environment because when people mine Bitcoin, they're using electricity to get more Bitcoin through the so-called mining process using computers. Well, that just doesn't wash with me. You know, here's a brilliant engineer. Uh, probably one of the most brilliant minds in the world, an, an engineer, of course, uh, who didn't, he didn't know that before he bought Bitcoin, that it was mined using computers that use electricity. Something else is going on here. So I started looking into this a little bit, and it turns out that the securities regulators have uh, taken the position that um until if if Elon Musk's company receives payment for the sale of a Tesla vehicle in Bitcoin, he can't put that on the books as income until such time as that Bitcoin is sold. I think there's probably some reason like that that is more related to his turning cold on Bitcoin. But what makes it even more bizarre is rumors are now flying that uh, the huge amount of money that he put into Bitcoin, um, which was, um, I, I don't know, it was like one and a half billion dollars or some huge amount, uh, their reserve operating funds that he put into Bitcoin. The rumor is now that he divested himself uh, from Bitcoin, which would make sense because as a smart guy, he wouldn't come out and start talking down Bitcoin and then still have the large holding of Bitcoin before he did that. So probably what happened was he sold his Bitcoin in recent days or weeks and then came out and started talking negatively about Bitcoin. Um, this would be not be the first time that Elon Musk has, uh, just in his own words and comments, uh, moved markets. And securities regulators have been concerned about him in that way in the past. Um, it's This is kind of a different area, though, uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency. It's kind of a strange position to be in because obviously on the one hand, if you're Elon Musk, you have freedom of speech. So you can come out and say, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking. Bitcoin is a bad idea. It's bad for the environment. And I'm no longer going to accept Bitcoin at my company. 
and uh, maybe I'm going to sell all my Bitcoin. I mean, you have the right to say that. But at the same time, within the stock market, if you're a public person like that and you're making comments that are moving securities and then you yourself are profiting by those comments, uh, it's it's short, sort of a shaky ground in terms of, you know, so-called insider information and things like that. I don't know exactly how that applies to Bitcoin, but I bet you there is a lot more going on to in this equation than simply that Elon Musk woke up one day this past week, a brilliant guy, and realized that, oh, Bitcoin is mined by uh, computers which use electricity, so I've got to divest myself uh, from Bitcoin. It doesn't make any sense to me, and um, a lot of the uh, cryptocurrency people are calling BS uh, on his reason. Uh, but I think we'll probably find out more soon. And the rumors are swirling that he probably already divested um, from Bitcoin uh, instead of, you know, they were using Bitcoin as it was described as basically instead of having like a, a, an operating account in money market uh, funds, they were putting their operating funds into Bitcoin. And that may this may all may be simply uh, just a problem with accounting. The accounting people may have said, look, when you have money in Bitcoin, we can't put that on the books properly as an asset. We can't put that on the books properly as income when you accept it for payment. So it could be something that simple. You know, I don't know. But it's certainly not that Elon Musk just woke up and realized that Bitcoin is mined uh, by computers which need electricity to operate. And so somehow this is uh, a risk, a threat to the environment. Um Really? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so that's the big story if you're somebody in the uh, cryptocurrency niche. But, he's, you know, he's a fun guy to follow. He's a brilliant guy. He's funny. Um, he's he's obviously uh, somebody who um, ha will change all of our lives with all of these new technologies that he's inventing and these satellites he's putting up into space and these electric cars. I mean, it's all good. But uh, just some of the odd things, including this Dogecoin this coin that was created as a joke. It was created as an internet joke, this Dogecoin, which uh, he is apparently um, hasn't said get rid of that. Uh, but I guess that's not mined in the same way. So maybe the reason doesn't carry over from Bitcoin to Dogecoin. Uh, but Dogecoin is kind of a ridiculous coin. It has no maximum supply like Bitcoin does. Uh, so it's sort of like grains of sand on the beach. I don't know how you put a value on it. I did put $250 this week into it in one of my crypto accounts. I, I sold some things and put a little bit of money in there. Why? Just because who knows, maybe it'll be worth a lot of money at some point. Uh, one time I owned like 51 different cryptocurrencies, uh, just sort of covering all the, uh, all the numbers on the roulette wheel, if you will. Uh, but Dogecoin is, I guess, still, uh, in favor by Elon Musk, but uh, Bitcoin has moved out of favor. All right, we're going to take a one-minute break and refire the open. We're super excited to have him back with us. In our guest segment, we'll be discussing the history and really the mystery of Hollywood's most fascinating hotel, the Chateau Marmont, as we welcome back to the show, Sean Levy. Stand by, we'll be back in one minute. 